0: good morning good afternoon good evening and good day i have to remember we have a potential of an international demographic here because of the zoom capabilities i think i said i'm herb i'm an alcoholic and um i'm welcoming you to our continuation of the monthly spirituality series it's not only hosted by the mary and joseph retreat center it's sponsored and administered by them Um, and uh, they've just been such a great support to the 12-step community in general and me specifically so melissa is their representative today and she'd like to say a few words
1: Good morning, good afternoon to everybody. Welcome back for those who are logging back in with us. I am Melissa. I am one of the Spiritual Hospitality members here at mary and joseph retreat center we were established in 1963 and we were envisioned by the late sister mary ignatius we are a beautiful eight acre campus weather here is always beautiful if you have a chance to visit us here in rancho palos verdes please come visit us and if i happen to be here i would love to give you a tour Um, I'd like to also introduce Herb. Herb has been connected to the Mary Joseph Retreat Center for many years, and he is truly part of our family. His 12-step and Centering Prayer groups have been extremely popular at the Retreat Center for decades, and now since the start of the pandemic, he has moved these popular offerings to Zoom. Thank you so much, Herb. Herb's journey includes seven years in Claritian seminary, a graduate education in psychology, 40 years in human resources consulting, certification as a spiritual director, 37 years of active participation in a 12-step fellowship and the publication of three books on spiritual awakening. And I'm sure there's more to add to that. So we are delighted that he is donating the proceeds of these Zoom gatherings to our retreat center during this difficult time thank you so much herb take it away
0: thank you so much melissa yes my wife uh the the retreat center has been uh, uh, less than a mile from our house for the last 50 years and in 1983 my wife started going there for spiritual nurturement and discovered that there was a resource to deal with her problem of alcohol. And she began dealing with that. And I got caught up in the, in the vortex. And in 1984, we both got sober. And um, at some point she actually was asked to be the executive director and ran the retreat center for 20 years before she died three years ago. <laughs> so um, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Today, we're gonna talk about and work on uh, step four inventory, but only a very narrow slice. I'll talk a little bit about the perspective and the context just so that we can see if in fact, you have uh, uh, very little exposure to the 12 step process, and maybe even step four specifically, Um, I'll give it the context as I understand it and have experienced it, but then very quickly, we're gonna dive deeply into the resentment inventory. Just one aspect of the step four inventory resentment, and only one aspect, of the resentment inventory. As I have interpreted and experienced step four, it has four columns. I'll talk more about that later. We're gonna talk a little bit about the first three and then a whole lot about column three and do a deep dive in that. I will do some teaching about it, but then we will do some exercise together. Hopefully we'll spend the first half on column three itself both understanding it and then uh, exercising that worksheet and having some dialogue with you as we go through each of the pieces of that worksheet. In the second half, I'll introduce you to a tool in the big book, one of the best kept secrets in the big book, uh, about how to get rid of resentment, how to get rid of deep resentment, in fact those cancers that are rooted in our soul from yesterday or from yesteryear. Um, And then we'll go back to uh, more work on the column three and um, introduce a little bit about the column four because in August we'll we'll have the same kind of schedule but to take a, a deep look at the column four and perhaps even to do some additional work with the column three. And if none of that made any sense to you, just buckle up, breathe deep, be patient. It will, by the end of today, it will make a lot of sense to you, I hope. As I mentioned, we're gonna be looking at step four. That's it from the big book, made a searching, very active, analytical, challenging, thinking and feeling and writing process and fearless of course we might be full of fear and or resistance and we pray for that to be diminished and or removed and it says moral inventory and that's not a contrast to immoral you look up moral in a dictionary it means values Coming from the Latin, more, meaning principle or law or value. So we're going to be looking for the truth. That's what Bill says in the big book. We're going to be looking for the facts so that we can see reality as it is. The serenity prayer. Many people mouth it without knowing what it is. Prayer is not words. Prayer is an intention expressed in words. And the words of the serenity prayer express the intention of discerning what is reality. Yeah, like what is reality? What is real? What can I influence? What can't I influence? Notice I didn't use the word control. I've I've eliminated that word control from my vocabulary because I don't control anything outside or inside of me, but I do influence. I have very little influence, but I do have some influence. More influence inside than outside, but still I have a responsibility and the prayer itself is a prayer of wisdom more often than not, when I know better, I can do better. It's not necessarily true. But if I don't know better, more often than not, I can't do better. So knowledge is really important. Knowledge will not bring about recovery. Action will. But knowledge for me was that very first step. I needed to be introduced to an attitude of setting My knowledge and my experience aside. This man said to me, To the extent that you hold on to your knowledge and your experience, to the extent that you hold on to that, you're prevented from having any new knowledge and experience. He quoted from the big book on page 58. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Letting go of our old ideas so that we can have a clean whiteboard that we present to the spirit to give us new knowledge and a new experience. This man said, You will be taken to a place that you didn't even know exists. You know, I thought he was quite a salesman being, you know, poetic or hyperbolic in his comments. And he wasn't at all. Actually, he was understating the impact, especially in this column three, and then the column four. More about that in a minute. So over time, I've used a prayer with words that express that intention of inviting the spirit for intervention on me. Notice it doesn't say, God, please give me the strength and wisdom to set aside. No, it keeps me out of it. It keeps my ego out of it. I'm asking for direct intervention from the spirit. Four weeks ago or so, I changed the prayer for the first time in 20 years. I took out the word brokenness and I inserted the word unmanageability. That's the second half of the first step. Again, that's the best kept secret in the rooms. And I've been focused on it for the last 20 years and discerning about it in the last five years to include it in the set aside prayer. Because I believe it's the key to... Not only recovery, but to sustained recovery. Please join me in this invitation to the spirit. To bring the crowbar. To open our mind and open our heart. In ways that we don't even know they're closed. God, please set aside everything. That I think I know about myself my unmanageability, the 12 steps and you for an open mind and a new experience with myself, my unmanageability, the 12 steps and especially you. The questions are so much more important than the answers. I didn't know that until I was exposed to it for the very first time. Listening to Joe and Charlie, wonderful um, historians as well as step workers. They not only put it in the context of how it all developed, but they made it humorous. They brought humor and story and made it very approachable. And they said the book is filled with answers, yes. We're referring to the big book. But it's really filled with questions. And the questions are so much more important than the answers. And you will recognize the questions because at the end of a sentence, there's a question mark. That's the humor. And then they said, and the question mark, treat it like a stop sign. Stop and ask yourself that question. It's not a throwaway line. Bill was a very precise and intentional writer. Every word, every sentence was specifically chosen and vetted actually by group conscience. As you know, the history of the big book. The question, one of my teachers is Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, a Catholic priest, Franciscan religious priest, Um, the Order of St. Francis. And he said, Ask the question in the milieu of prayer and allow it to percolate. Hold the question. Don't rush to an answer. And allow the universe to bring you to an experience, an answer, an intuition, an instinct about it. It's brilliant. Ask yourself, here you are, Thousands of people had the information about this workshop today. Hundreds of people inquired about it. Here we are, 40 or 50 people that actually registered and show up. Actually, some people who registered didn't show up. (laughs) But that's how it works, very consistently. But here you are. You've obviously come here with purpose. Maybe purpose that you're conscious of and maybe purpose that you're not conscious of. That your own spirit, your own unconscious has brought you here for a very specific experience. Ask yourself, in the light of the set aside, where specifically is my life not working? How effective have you been in your efforts? You're welcome to write a word or a phrase or a sentence in response. Or just to hold the questions for a while. I have no rules about this. I'm guiding you in literally a four hour, if you stay with me for the extra hour, that I'll allow for questions at the end. Um, uh, I consider this entire time as a meditation. Because I'm giving you some thought-filled questions that should be brought into your soul and allow your entire being to interact with this process. Do you really wanna change? That's pretty scary stuff, especially if you really have heard what I've said about inviting the spirit with a crowbar, because then you know you're not in charge. I mean, you know it probably anyway. (laughs) That's why we pray that serenity prayer. What specific change would you like? Maybe there's plural, but pick one that you want to tease out today. Oh, we're looking at resentments, but I'm going to make it much broader than that. We're going to look at column three and apply it to any area in your life that you're disturbed. That's a very select term that I got from the 12 and 12. In step 10, which is that daily, regular spot check inventory that Bill asks us to invoke when in fact we're disturbed. He says, it's a spiritual axiom. Whenever we're disturbed, there's something wrong with us. Now, if you've done some, Deep work in column four and three. You really know the truth of that. So you have no resistance. But if you had any twinge when I said that. Any thought or feeling or resistance. Then today is going to be very dramatic for you. Whenever. 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 I am disturbed. There's no mitigation of that there's no qualification whenever I'm disturbed there's something wrong with me my first spiritual awakening was when I was four years sober going through the big book for the very first time with a man who knew what he was doing and he brought me to the fourth column that'll be August work but my particular history was sort of backwards I got an experience with column four And then three years later, I had an experience with column three. But column four was a spiritual experience because for the very first time at age 48, four years sober, I saw that I was responsible for my thoughts and my feelings and my behavior. Not only did I see that I was responsible for my thoughts and my feelings and my behavior, but that it was 100%. You hear in the rooms, what's your part? I became very clear. I did not have a part in any of my resentments. Please hear this. I did not have a part in any of my resentments. I did not have a part. I had 100%. They did not have a part. Circumstances and people do not influence me. My reaction is what influences me. They're just doing what they do, and I take it personally. This is huge. The last five or 10 years, Dr. Berger Alan Berger, a PhD clinical psychologist with 50 years of sobriety, and I have been co-facilitating workshops on emotional sobriety, and I've gotten a real deep experience and understanding of it. Again, another best kept secret in the rooms. In 1958, Bill wrote a letter in the grapevine that talked about emotional sobriety and he called it the next frontier. Well, it didn't actually catch on. In the last five or 10 years, the terms and the experience of emotional sobriety are beginning now to become much more common language. and books and conversations and experiences. But it's about change. It's about me taking responsibility and being empowered. We're not powerless here. To be empowered to manage my emotions with, through self-regulation. What change would I like? What specific change would I like? My most favorite generic term, I end my morning meditation every morning with this phrase that came to me some long time ago in my meditation. What is the invitation? Today, you could ask yourself that even now, but not answer it until we've finished with the workshop three, four hours later. What is the invitation? It's a great question. What's the invitation for today? But what's the invitation for my life? Oh, yeah. Each one of us has a unique fingerprint. Each one of us has a unique DNA. Each one of us has a unique invitation. And what blocks us from seeing the truth are all of these negative emotions, the major one of which is resentment, anger. We do a lot of work either in therapy or in religion or in human development, self-development, and we get some insight, but we're asleep dreaming that we're awake. That's a phrase I got from a philosopher called Gurdjieff, a Russian philosopher from the 19th century. We're all human beings, he said, are asleep dreaming that they're awake. This column three, this is particularly specific now to column three. Notice that the word belief is in a blue color. That's very intentional. That's the lens through which we look. My beliefs are the lens. And when I look through that lens, that's determined what I see by the lens I'm looking through. If I have a brown lens, I will see brown. If I have a yellow lens, I will see yellow. But it's the lens through which I'm looking. I'm not looking at the lens. So I don't know the belief that I'm looking through to see what I hope and think is reality. This is critical. It's critical certainly to emotional sobriety, which we were talking about earlier but it's very critical here in the first pass at the steps where we're just trying to deal with our recovery because we're trying to see reality as it is. And the truth is we can never see reality as it is because we're always looking at it through our lens. We're always looking at it through our training, our genetics, our family, our culture. And we don't know that we don't know and we can't see that we don't see accurately. And we'll never know reality as it is because we're always looking through our lens and processing it through our experience. But we can get better at getting closer to reality as it is. But here's a phrase from psychology All of us see reality as we are, not as it is. We all see reality as we are, not as it is. We're projecting ourselves onto everything that we see. All the circumstances, all the institutions, all of the outside reality, all of the people in it. We project onto them who we are. And we can't do otherwise. That's the whole key of this process of getting, as Chuck C. said, a new pair of glasses. Because when we have a belief that colors uh, reality, we have a perception that's delusional. The key to column three is to see the belief as delusional. It's startling. It's embarrassing, very awkward because our perceptions create our thoughts, which are demented, our feelings, which are diseased, our attitudes, which are distorted, our behavior, which is dysfunctional. Yes, I do like alliteration. But the point here is, as you can see from the beliefs, we go all the way to behavior. No wonder we have problems in our life. Through all these layers of corruption. But Bill asks us to take a look at the behavior to work backwards. That's why we're looking at our resentment. That's the outcome. That's the behavior from all of this distortion. And then we work our way back. And column three reveals the beliefs that we have. When we don't know that we don't know, we're in a prison. The first half of the first step is about addiction. The bondage of our addiction. The second half of the first step. Is about unmanageability. The bondage of our self-centeredness, Bill says. He asks us to pray the third step prayer before the fourth step. I'm inviting you to do that now as we begin this journey into the fourth step. This is an. Upgraded version of the third step prayer from the big book. Taking out the thys and the those and making it more current. You're welcome to pray it any way you want. But pray it in unison with me out loud or quietly or not at all. But with the intent. Prayer is about intent. Of consenting to that spirit to have its way with us. God. I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as you wish. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Of your power, your love and your way of life, may I do your will always. So let's take a look specifically at step four. I mentioned that this is the unpacking of how we're built. Obviously, we have a biology because we were born with genetics. I'm using the image here and the metaphor of the Russian doll. You've seen them in the gift shops. I think they're called nesting dolls. This is about taking a look at my story. This is about seeing that part of me was built by the family and the culture that I grew up in. I look the same on the outside, but I have some unique differences from everybody else because of my unique family and my unique culture. I also have some unique, because they're mine, emotional experiences. I also have some educational and psychological reactions that have built who I am. It doesn't change how I look, it just changes who I am. Someplace in me, there's this real self, this true self, this, one of my teachers calls it this core of goodness. Some people call it the soul. Some people call it the spirit. The psychologists call it the true self. The Buddhists call it the original face. The new age people call it the spark of the divine. The Christians and the Jews talk about the image and likeness of God. They're all saying basically the same thing. This whatever it is, this authentic self. And we're taking a look at, peeling back the biology and the sociology and the psychology so that we can come to who are we as our individual self. Bill gives us a real hint in the 12 and 12 in chapter four, step four, concerning his really basic understanding of psychology. He had uh, written the big book in 1939, and then over the next 12 or 13 years, gotten an awful lot more experience and information from both being in the program and helping other people, but also because he's a learner. I mean, he's a seeker. He had a Jesuit priest as his mentor. Father Ed Dowling engaged with Bill as a spiritual director in 1940 and continued that relationship until Father Ed Dowling died in 1960. The 12 and 12 was published in 1953. Clearly, Bill had some additional information because he says in step four in the 12 and 12, instincts gone awry. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about the fight, the flight, and the freeze instincts. This is basic biology. This is basic physiology. This is how we're built. This brainstem of ours as a survival mechanism reacts to threat for survival by either fighting or running or hiding. This is fundamental to understanding both the big book and the 12 and 12 because we have emotions. Fighting creates anger. Running creates fear. Hiding creates dishonesty, like camouflage. Well, Bill is gonna take a look at our actual behavior, our actual emotions so that we can peel back the onion. We're gonna look at resentment, which is the outcome of that survival instinct of fight and anger. We're gonna look at fear, not today, but at some point in the inventory, that's the second piece of it. That's the emotion that comes from the survival instinct of flight. And shame is the emotion that comes from the freeze, hiding, dishonesty, camouflage. Now, Bill gives us the third category as sex. At least as I approached my sex inventory, I saw that the main dynamic underneath all of my relationships was dishonesty, hiding my true motives. I didn't know that shame was an emotion. Over time, I have learned that, at least that's my take on it. Healthy shame or unhealthy shame, healthy guilt or unhealthy guilt. These are things that I have my people look at when they do the final piece of work in the step four inventory. But this creates our false self. This creates our mask. This creates our personality. This creates our Hollywood storefront, that which other people see. It's intentional on our part mostly and somewhat unconsciously uh, developed this mask that we present to others to protect ourselves. But we can identify all of the ways we've built this mask, and we can see that we're human just like everybody else is human. Not only does it give us compassion for them, but it gives us an awful lot of insight and compassion for ourselves. So, Bill gives us this model in the big book. On page 62, he says selfishness and self centeredness is the root. So in this model, I put selfishness, self-centeredness as the root. And from the root comes resentment. And from the root comes fear. And from the root comes our unhealthy sexual relationships. These are the fruits of the root. If, you ha- if I had a tree here, and I asked you what it was, what kind of tree it was, And you saw that it was a live tree and that it had these little round orange balls on it, you would pretty well accurately speculate it's an orange tree, not because you know it's leaves or it's particular configuration. But because of the fruit on the tree, it's an orange tree because it has oranges resentment and fear and sex are the fruit of the root of self-centeredness and you'll see that as we go through certainly the resentment inventory but then as you perhaps later on go through the balance of the step four inventory you can see that selfishness and self-centeredness it's not a bad thing in the way i'm using it right now it's that core of me that I protect in a survival mechanism when I feel threatened. I protect it for its survival. In the best of senses, we would call that self-care. In the worst of senses, we call it what Bill calls it, that selfishness and self-centeredness, which means I am the center of the world. The most profound experience I had with the step four work over time was that I am not the center of the world. I am the center of myself. And that's emotional sobriety to have me anchored in my own center. But I'm not the center of the world. I'm the center of my world. I also add as a component dishonesty secrets and unhealthy guilt and shame to my step four inventory when i'm working with somebody unhealthy guilt and shame guilt is a negative feeling about who how i behave a negative feeling about how i behave shame is a negative feeling about who i am quite different there's healthy guilt and there's healthy shame if I'm a bank robber, I'm guilty of robbing banks. That would be healthy guilt. So the um, instructions in the big book are to make a list of your resentments. I'm asking you to list one or two. No, I mean, you're welcome to list more than that, but we won't have time for you to do much more work than one or two. Resentment, whether it's a one pound salmon or a 5,000 pound white shark, doesn't make any difference at this point. The one that came to your mind, the one that came to your consciousness, the one or two, maybe it's father or mother, and they might even be dad. But you still have this negative feeling of anger, or it might be a sibling. Or it might be a sponsor, or it might be a coworker, or a boss, or an institution. And the second question is, why do you have it? What did they do to you that made you angry? This is the simple part. We're not going to spend much time on it. Who and why? Succinct. Look at page 65 in the big book. Very succinct. Five, six, seven words for number two. The reasons. In my case, I'm going to talk about Bob. Bob was a co-worker. He had worked with the company as long as I had, about 20 years. He was an officer of equal rank as I was. He had positions of authority like I did and responsibility. We were peers. But he tried to get me fired. I was there 20 years. The first 17, I was drinking. The last three, I was sober. I felt because I was sober, my history of drinking didn't count. Well, he had just the opposite attitude. He didn't understand nor realize nor appreciate what sobriety meant. Once I did this work, I saw the truth of it. Although I was sober, I had not changed. So I was still behaving in the same way that I did when I was drinking. But I did not know that I did not know. I could not see that. Fortunately, I was doing this work in 1988 when in fact it reached a crescendo. He had organized the posse to get me fired from this job. And after I finished the work at the end of the year, at the end of the ninth step amends, I saw the truth of it. We had irreconcilable differences, me and my company. And I had to move on to a new company in order to establish my my new self. There was no way I could change people's perceptions because I had crystallized an attitude toward me that was very negative. I had to create a whole new environment, which I did and I retired from them 20 years later. But the key was that I got in touch with my beliefs, the lenses through which I look during that period of 1988. And I saw the distortions, I saw the delusions. And when I did the fourth column, I saw that I was responsible for my anger, that people and circumstances don't make me angry. My reaction to people and circumstances is my anger and my responsibility. It was a spiritual awakening of a profound nature. It completely changed me, my perception, my feelings, my attitudes, and my behavior going forward. So let's take a look at column three, and what does it mean? Bill talks about self-esteem. Well, in the big book on page 65, you'll note that there's a column three there. There's two paragraphs that talk about the various ingredients that go into column three. At the very, I'm going to read them and comment just a little bit, but I want to get into the column three work. At the bottom of page 64, he says, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry, column one. We asked ourselves why we were angry, column two. You can see the examples on page 65. I'm not going to go over them. I'm going to get right to column three. In most cases, now he's going to talk about the column three, ingredients. It was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. There's the verb. You see, it's about survival. I feel hurt. I feel threatened. Therefore, I get angry. I fight. Now he's going to give us some synonyms for resentment because he really wants us to understand what it is. Resentment comes from the Latin sentire, to feel, sentire, S-E-N-T-I-R-E, to feel. And when you put an R-E in front of it, it means to feel it again and again and again and again. I had a resentment toward my father. It started when I was seven, five, somewhere in there. And it lasted all the way up until I was 48 years old doing this work for the first time four years sober and he was already dead 12 years, but I had this volcanic red hot rage anytime I thought about or heard about her was confronted by memories of my father. We were sore we were burned up synonyms. On our grudge list. So now he's giving us a second paragraph that at first glance looks like it's a redundant paragraph to the other paragraph I just read. But that's not Bill's style. He says he never uses the same word in consecutive sentences. That's not good English, not English grammar. He was taught better than that. You use a different word, a synonym, to express yourself in consecutive sentences. Now he's using different words in consecutive paragraphs. But mostly the same words. Well what that means to me is it's really important. He has to say it twice. On our grudge list. A synonym for resentment. We said opposite each name our injuries. Calm one column two. Was it our self-esteem? We saw that earlier, our security, a new word. Our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, he split it up, which had been interfered with, he gives us a new verb. So we have hurt, threatened or interfered with. Now the big book is wonderful, it's just not complete it needs knowledge and experience and interpretation at least that's my experience with it now 37 years later i've gone through the steps four different times with four different men over a 20-year period these men were not my sponsors they were step guides i engaged them as project managers the first time i went through the steps it was a year the second time six months the third time two years and the fourth time 2003 was a year. Different men, different experiences, different instructions, 80, 85% the same, but that 10, 15% difference was critical for me. It was their interpretation and their experience. And at a time when I had evolved consciousness over those periods of time. And so, One of the men gave me the interpretation on column three to have definitions and the application. You see, there's no definitions of sex relations, self-esteem, sex uh, security, or personal. There's no definitions of any of those words. The first time I did column three, it was like a checkbox exercise, and I got nothing out of it because it was brainless mindless no thought I didn't know what I was doing except matching it up based on my feelings it wasn't helpful it didn't give me any insight the second time I went through it the man gave me the definitions that I'm going to expose to you and the instructions that I'm going to give you and it changed my life because I was able to begin to see the lie in order to come to see the truth. My beliefs, you can see it's in quotes up there on the PowerPoint. It's in quotes because those beliefs were a lie that I thought were the truth, but I couldn't see that I didn't see because it was distorted, delusional. And I had to begin an exercise in prayer, like we have begun with the set aside prayer and with some clear instructions. And I was able to, after some definite work, interaction with this man who was taking me through the steps, break the code so that I could literally see the lens through which I'm looking to see where it was distorted. And then in fact, through the balance of the step process to refract those lenses To be more clear so that I could see reality more clearly as it is rather than as I am. I hope all of that makes sense to you. It's pretty dense uh, because it's coming from a journey and a long experience with it. But we'll be unpacking it so be patient with it. You'll note there that some of the words next to the words have fear. Not all of them, mostly it's self-esteem, until we get down to the uh, bottom part where it says security. So this man says, well, why don't we do a fear opposite each one of the words to see if it gives you a nuance, another view, another insight, which in fact it did. Uh, Because I'm looking now at the worksheet. You might have one in front of you. If you don't, I'm going to go over it specifically anyway. But notice in that column on page 65, if you have your big book open, at the end of that third column, it has a new word that weren't in the two paragraphs. I'm a big book literalist and fundamentalist. In the best of senses, it means I pay attention to Bill's words and the structure in which he puts the words, because it's all intentional. He doesn't tell us what his intention is. So I have to unpack it with my interpretation. Page 65, column three, at the very bottom has pride. Well, what the hell does that mean there? He hadn't hadn't been yet, this is 1939. He hadn't yet been exposed to Father Ed Dowling, that Catholic Jesuit priest. You can see in chapter four, step four inventory in the 12 and 12, that the outcome of his exposure to Father Ed Dowling, that Catholic Jesuit priest, was that he put the capital sins in there, the seven capital sins that comes right out of the Catholic tradition, the Catholic theology. The seven capital sins, the the most prominent and the first is pride. Well, that's not what he means here because he didn't even have the model yet he didn't have an exposure to the seven capitals sins, to the best of my knowledge of his history. So what did he mean by that? I don't know, but we made up a definition. All right. You know, I, I think I'm gonna pause here for just a minute to see if there are questions just about what I've talked about, not necessarily specifically about column three but it's just come to me now. I, I've been talking for a while <laughs> and you may have some questions that would be necessary as a prelude to getting into the column three work.
2: But one that just came up that you touched on was when you said you had a step advisor to go through uh, uh, the 12 steps yep. later on. Um, now, I assume that was a, an alcoholic or someone in... Oh, yes. Anonymous, okay.
0: Oh, yes, yes. It was good Good point. Yes, it was a person who was in Alcoholics Anonymous. And yes, it's a man, because
2: I believe men work with men and work, women work with women. Go ahead with your question. Okay. Well, I just get a lot... You know, I'm relatively new. I'm just up on one year, and I hear a lot in in the meetings I attend, you know, get a sponsor who knows the book and will take you through the steps. Uh, I have a sponsor I did a fourth and fifth step with I didn't go through the individual steps with him. Uh, so I guess I'm feeling like there's a little bit of a void there. I've done some of your workshops shops. I've also done some 12 step workshops two full workshops that seem to help me quite a bit but i guess my question is this sponsee sponsor relationship taking you through the 12 steps there seems to be a certain contingency that thinks that's the absolute way to go well uh, i'm not
0: sure that anybody has uh, legitimately uh, the term's absolutely the way to go because there are no rules in the culture of a 12-step fellowship. Right. But the tradition is that a sponsor's primary role is to take you through the steps. And unfortunately, my sponsor of 28 years, but at, when, I, when I engaged him as my sponsor, I didn't know that he didn't know much about the Big Book or the Steps. So he knew a lot about a lot of things, and he was very helpful to me as a sounding board. I kept him for 28 years, but at four years of sobriety, I had to go outside of that. And the word I used was step guide, not step advisor. But I mean, uh, word, same. word, word. Stuff but,
3: stuff but
0: stuff. So, so, and that's just the term I generated to acknowledge that I have a sponsor. I like my sponsor. I'm keeping my sponsor. He just doesn't know jack about the steps or the book, so but he has a lot of value for me as a mentor and a teacher i needed to go to a project manager to go through the steps they never became my sponsor and none of them became my friends oh we were friendly but they never became my friends they were just a project manager of a beginning and an end
2: duration does that help yeah it does yeah
4: Um, when it comes to resentment, what does it mean when you have a resentment
1: against yourself, the worst?
0: All right. We're going to talk about that today, but I'm glad you mentioned it. The yeah, big right. book actually supports that. Um, on page 66, we'll be looking at it after the, the short break that we'll take. But uh, since you asked the question on page 66, the uh, in the top of the page, it says, sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. So for me, that legitimizes you putting yourself on the list. But as one of my mentors said, put yourself last because we're always putting ourselves first. Put yourself last. And then once you get some competency with doing the analysis on the third column, then take a look at, the dynamics of the resentment toward yourself.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I get it every workshop. So thank you for posing it and uh, bringing it to our attention. So now I would like to spend the next half hour going over the worksheet and working with you to the extent that we have some time and you have an interest concerning Column three, as it's been presented, as I've experienced it over time, as I presented it to the workshops and received lots of feedback to the worksheet, this worksheet has been fine-tuned every year based on the feedback as to what makes it effective in terms of its communication as well as uh, how to do it. It's really important that you do some writing here So that you get a sense of participation and an experience with it. It's clear you need to, well, this man said, put a little prayer at the top of your paper. God help me. Holy Spirit, open my mind. God remove the obstacles in me. Whatever the prayer is, personal, I'm I'm, I'm suggesting that to you right now. A little prayer that you write, one, two, three, four, five words, all right? It just brings us back in, okay, I'm powerless to see the truth, and I need help, but I'm also responsible to do the work. It says, consider when I resent, Bob, that's your first column, for trying to get me fired, that's your second, my second column. Did it hurt, threaten, or interfere? Those are the verbs from the big book. Now we come to self-esteem. This is not psychological self-esteem. Please hear this. This is not low and high self-esteem. This is not, has nothing to do with psychology. It has everything to do with an attempt to find out what my belief is about who I am. My belief, not my thought, not my feeling. Hello, hello. Not my thought, not my feeling. What's my belief? The lenses through which I'm looking. And that's the the instruction there. What is my deep belief about who I am? And it starts off with a prompter in the blank spot. There's two words, I am. It's never negative, I am not. It's always positive in the sense that it's looking at, so who do I believe I am? So with Bob in the workplace, and this man said, put him on a stage with you. He said, Bill likes the theater, the drama uh, analogy. So put yourself on a stage with Bob. You're meeting Bob on a stage. Who are you? What's, what's, what's your mental framework of your vision of who you are as you're walking over to meet Bob? I am a superior employee, an outstanding salesman, and I'm the only real candidate for the promotion." Background, there were three people that were on a short list to be promoted to run the Los Angeles office in 1988. Bob was not on the list. He didn't want to be on the list. He didn't want the job. I did. There were two other candidates. I thought I was the only real legitimate candidate. All right. Then I went over to the right and I said, well, what's my fear? Well, there could have been. There's several fears there. I I could have said I won't get the job or um, my self-esteem was I am this outstanding person, the best employee this company has ever had. My fear was "Mm, maybe I'm exaggerating it to myself and to them. You know what happened? That was the first time there was a crack in my armor. I had never seen the truth Of this doubt. I prided myself on not having emotions generally. But certainly not having um, fear specifically. I was completely armored against emotion. But especially against fear. I was in my own delusion fearless. And yet here it was with this question. In the set aside milieu of the prayer. "Ah, I might not be as good as I think I am. The first crack in the armor. Pride. Has nothing to do with the seven capital sins. This man said, it has to do with how do you want other people to see this person treating you? Notice how it's written here, the instructions. How do I want other people to see me being treated by Bob? The person with whom I have that resentment. So again, put myself on a stage, but put an audience in that room in that theater the co-workers so i have a 20 co-workers in the room in my imagination how do i want my co-workers to see bob treating me well i'd like to see them see bob treating me with respect this man said to me herb is that it why don't you stretch it be unreasonable be outrageous Step outside the box of civilized, socialized norms and protocols. What really would you like them to see Bob treating you? Well, when Bob walks up to me, he bows his head. He doesn't look me straight in the eye. And then he bows. He's in the presence of Herb. I want, I don't want just respect. I want deference this man looked at me and said, well, you have a little king inside of you, don't you? Boom, the curtain began to part some more. It wasn't a stretch at all. That actually was a revelation of the truth of my unconscious. And I say it all the time, this worksheet here, this particular third column penetrates the unconscious. I've had it verified by psychologists and psychiatrists that are now using it in their own practice to help them facilitate the therapeutic process. What's my fear is they'll, they, they'll see Bob disrespecting me and they will also disrespect me. Ambition. What do you want? It's less analytical. Notice what we've done here. On the left-hand side, we've been in our head analyzing, thinking about it. On the right-hand side, we've been in our heart, our gut feeling. All right. I, if people have a hard time with the fear, I say, put your hand over your heart when you're asking the question. Put your hand on your gut when you're asking the question so that you come from your head thinking, but Thinking about your feeling and feeling your feeling of fear. Ambition, what do I want? Well, it's very straightforward. There's no analysis. I want, I want the position. I want, to, I want the promotion. What's my fear? I won't get it. There's no analysis there. It's really simple. Boom. Security, what do I need? Very different than ambition. Ambition is what do I want? Security is what do I need? I want a cup of coffee in the morning when I wake up. I need air to breathe. Hear the difference? And there's a second question there in security why? What do I need in order to be okay? And why? I need to have that promotion and that position to run the Los Angeles office so that I don't have a local boss for accountability. What's my fear? I'll have a local boss of accountability and I won't measure up. Again, the curtain parts and the armor gets pierced. I thought I was invulnerable until I started doing this and I saw I have some doubts. Maybe this is what creates the tension in me and also the rudeness and the and the hardness and the inconsideration and the lack of kindness and the ambition and the all the stuff that goes with that. Personal relations. How do I expect relationships in the office to be? So I'm broadening it now to the general office. I expect that it's going to be a atmosphere of camaraderie and People helping people and getting along and uh, an enjoyable environment. What's my fear? Everybody's gonna be competitive with me and get in the way of me getting what I want. There's no right or wrong answer to any of these. There's just your answer. On the left-hand side, your thoughts, on the right-hand side, your feelings. This sixth item is formally in the big book entitled sex but this man said to me her the third major component part of the step four inventory is a sex inventory it's a genital sex inventory since that's such a mega part of the fourth step perhaps bill didn't mean sex relations here in in the resentment inventory to be genital maybe he meant them to be gender it's an interpretation I don't think it's a stretch. I think it's very valid. And it's really worked for me. This is how this man helped me interpret it. Gender relations, male and female. What is my belief about men and women? Again, keep in mind the questions we're asking are not logical questions. They're not questions from a book. They're not questions from your parents. They're not questions from your AA is there. No, they're coming from what are your beliefs? Not thoughts or feelings, your actual beliefs. What's my belief about men in the workplace? Men in the workplace are responsible, powerful, thoughtful, strategic, walking forward, joining arms uh, to solve problems. That's what I wrote. What's my fear? Every one of them is competitive backstabbing and will cut your legs off to get what they want. Well, that's just a projection of who I was, but I didn't know that I didn't know. You see, I thought at that point, 48 years old, four years sober with all the background that I had, most of you know my background, philosophy, psychology, theology, etc. Very, very introspective, reflective, human kind of. And I thought I'm a Renaissance man. And I did this work and I found that I was a Neanderthal. It was very embarrassing. How about women? And this is really where it came out most graphically. 19... 19- 88. In the workplace, my thought about women as their second-class citizens didn't know that until I wrote it down, that they were there to do administrative role, and that their role was to do everything I needed to get done, everything I wanted to get done, even the things I didn't want to get done, they needed to get done. And oh, by the way, the attractive ones are available for social activities. I'll be kind. I apologize to women regularly when I give this definition. I'm not like that today and I wasn't like, I just began changing once I did this work and finished the steps in 1988. But it's what I saw at the time. I was that classic male chauvinist of the 1980s. But what's my fear that women will dismiss me. They will embarrass me they will publicly humiliate me pocketbook what is my affected value now it might be about money but if it's not i put the word value in there so it might be about material security or emotional security or well-being in this case it was about money and power nothing should get in my way of getting all the power and money and prestige that i want and deserve my fear is everybody will get in my way so what i'd like you to do now and as part of our work together is go back to the self-esteem take a look at the resentment that you identified the one or two but pick one So write out your resentment, of course, who you're resentful at and why, but then write the self-esteem. What is your belief about who you are? And and it starts with, I am on the stage with this person or this institution, I am.
1: Hi, thanks for calling on me. Did I hear you right? Did you say on number one, it should be on the self-esteem side? It should be something positive.
0: No, I, I, I said it's not, it's never negative. All right, it's just, it's never negative. Go ahead and read what you wrote.
1: I am an unlovable and will die lonely.
0: No, if you, and what's your resentment?
1: Oh, at my boyfriend that just broke up with me.
0: Yeah, see, if you really believed that you were unlovable and you will be alone, then you wouldn't have a resentment because if he treats you that way you would say he's particularly intuitive. He can really see the truth. I'm a piece of shit and he knows it. But that's not what you believe because you're pissed at him, all right? So you must believe something else. Did you write something for pride? How do you want other people to see your boyfriend treating you?
1: Yeah.
0: What, read, read what you wrote, please.
1: That um, he would be treating me as someone he loves, respects, and admires.
0: All right, so let's put it in the I am phrase. I am lovable. I am worthy of admiration. What was the other word?
1: Uh, Respect.
0: I am worthy of his respect. Now that's a bit mild, but you see how I I backdoored it that way. And that's a wonderful technique I'm giving to everybody. If they have trouble identifying this self-esteem, go to the pride Put yourself in an, uh, on the stage with the person, have a relevant audience and ask yourself, how do I want the audience to see this person treating me in the ideal world? All right, step out of the box. In the ideal world, what, what is my fantasy of how I would want them to see him treating me? And then once you put that down, take a look at converting it to the I am statement. Thank you. Does that help?
4: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, let's let's spend some time with you on self esteem and pride before we go anyplace else. Because once we get that cracked open, once we connect to how to do that, everything cascades down from that. It all it all unfolds from the self esteem and the pride, and the self esteem and pride are the flip sides of the same coin.
5: Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, my the resentment I had is I, that I wrote down was towards uh, my health insurance company. Um, yep. You know, uh, they didn't they didn't get me an MRI. They said I needed an X-ray and I did need an MRI. Yeah. Uh, yeah rotator cuff surgery. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. They, they, they failed you in giving you incorrect advice or they resisted uh, doing what they needed to do. And that's your resentment. So who are you?
5: Well, I put, <clears throat> I am the one who pays the premium. I am the customer. You owe me.
0: All right. All right. That's a, it's, it's, it's right. It's a bit timid. All right. Cause it doesn't tell me much about who you are. Although, I am right tells me just a little hint. What's the rest of what you said? Uh, I am the customer. I am the customer. I'm entitled to uh, attentive service at a very minimum, right? All right. So what's your fear?
5: Uh, I'm going to pay for something that uh, I'm not going to get any I'm going to pay, and I'm not going to get.
0: There's no right or wrong answer. That's just your answer, and it could have taken several turns. But that's your answer. There's no right or wrong answer. There's helpful answers on the on the uh, left side. There's uh, no right or wrong answer on the right side in terms of a feeling. So, did you write something for pride?
5: Uh, no, I, I said uh, you know I didn't I didn't know what to write. let's
0: try it let's try it let's try it you're on the stage with the insurance company a representative of the insurance company how would you like the audience your friends perhaps your family seeing this insurance agent on the stage this vice president of the company how would you like them to see him treating you
5: uh with a lot of respect a lot of respect, Uh, and I think, uh, you know, (laughs) bowing would be-
0: uh, On his knees, baby, on his knees, with a checkbook in hand, ready to sort of say, oh my God, how could we have disappointed you? Yeah. (laughs) Now be dramatic about it, why not? We're having fun here, because what we want to do is break it open from the, we need this new pair of glasses yeah all right and, okay. and uh, do you have a fear that now would come spontaneously from what we just said about the pride uh
5: you know the the fear is that uh, you know they don't care about me they don't care uh you know they don't give a fly you know what exactly
0: exactly'm you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a fly on the assembly belt and they're just gonna squash me yeah.
5: As, long as they get their money, that's all they care about. They'll there. hire a third party to give exactly. me sure the service I need. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. All right.
4: So uh, someone said earlier when we when you were suggesting who to how to put down your resentment, said, "What do you do when you resent yourself?"
6: And yep.
4: and so uh, I just was like, "Wow," because I was trying to figure out how to approach that. And so basically. I know it's not anybody else. I know that I know to the core of my being that, that others, it has nothing to do with others that when I am affected, of course, it is always me. I guess what I resent is that I still feel resentful. I still, so how do I, I don't really Uh, resent, you know, my situation here. I created it. So I resent the fact that I, how
0: do I, not say this?
4: I resent that I resent.
0: I resent that I'm not changing.
4: Ooh, wow, that's a toughie.
0: Well, it's what you said.
4: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess it is. I don't. I don't. I didn't say it, but I did hear it.
0: <laughs> well, you actually said it. I read between the lines.
4: So my resentment is that I'm not changing. Yeah. Oh, my own
0: yeah So, so, who are you i am i don't know yes you do yes you do who
4: am i i am
0: yeah well how many years i am
4: stuck how about that
0: no 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 No, that's too easy no you're not stuck you're just not seeing so how many years of sobriety do you have
4: 37
0: Yeah, me too. All right, so 1984 was a very good year, right? Yes. All right. Actually,
4: 83.
0: Go ahead. Oh, so you got some time on me. There you go. Um, So I'm 37 years sober. I've done an awful lot of work. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and I, uh, I'm, I'm a model in the AA program. I'm making it up. All right. And then what would be, your, well, tell me, how do you respond to the words I just used?
4: In many ways I am. And, and then yet there's this place that to me, I feel very inept and well, there's, your fear.
0: Um, there's your fear. Okay. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm not accomplished in this area. I'm not finished. I'm not as good as I want to be. In fact, I'm, worse than i want to be or whatever the fears are Uh,
4: you want to say go slow so i can write all that down because that is
7: so right on
0: (laughs) (laughs) right 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 so then if you're on a stage with yourself and you have your flawed self and the self that's looking at your flawed self how do you want this audience to see you in relationship to yourself, the audience, not, not, not the truth necessarily, but what's, what, what's the persona that you're projecting that you want them to see?
4: Oh, wow. I guess that, um, you know, that I, I, and I feel I'm healthy in many areas, much more healthy than I've ever been. But yet, this is still crippling, and I, I want to be truthful. I want to be honest. I want to. I want to show that that the bottom line is: yeah, I have all this time, and I've done all this work, but I I, I am still uh, not like, like you said. I'm not where I want to be. I, you know, it's funny because I feel like I want to project some kind of lesson. Uh, to others about that you know that we're not perfect that we we can't beat ourselves up that we should not beat ourselves up that we should continue to strive and seek and look and huh if you
0: really believe that you wouldn't have a resentment you have a resentment towards yourself because you're not measuring up and you don't want to be discovered maybe <laughs> I don't know
4: yeah, I don't, I don't know that I don't want to be discovered because I don't think I would really even be talking about it if I didn't. I mean, I, I just feel like, I help, you know what I mean? Just help me figure this crap out so yes. that I can yes. so I can get to that wherever it is, wherever I, I, want, I think that I'm supposed to get to, which is, you know, just having this peace that I don't want to be, no. I don't want yeah. disturbed. I don't want it interrupted. I don't want to, and I feel like I'm doing it to myself. It isn't them. I know it's not them. So why is it still affecting me?
0: Yeah. And that, first of all, that's the right question. And this process is the right solution for you to come to the some portion, portion of an answer to that. Column four, as you know from the workshop, uh, will be the other half of the story. But we won't investigate that until next month. I
8: uh,
3: I put my brother down. and Perfect. I resent my brother because uh, after my final parent's death, uh, he was living in the house. She was had dementia, so that started out good, um, but then after she passed, uh, my sisters and I were prevented from coming back into the house to go through the rest of the household goods yep. to
0: kind of get the closure. All right, we got it. So who are you? I am.
3: I'm the one who wanted to be with the family. Uh, and involved with going through um, stuff
0: all right but who are you that's your behavior who are you I am are you an older sister or a younger sister sister I'm
3: the big sister yep therefore I know how we should I should be able to be in charge of this
0: there, <laughs> You know what? I believe you with your tone and words. <laughs> All right. then. And, and um, uh, so what's your fear?
3: It ain't going to happen.
0: <laughs> you know, it's that simple. That's right. Exactly. Pride. So you're on a stage with your brother. And in the audience are your sisters and the balance of your family and friends. How do you want them, ideally, to see your brother treating you?
3: That he understands that, uh, you know, going through to me, going through the family stuff is important.
0: All right, wait a minute. That's not the yeah. That's not the question I asked. How do you want them to see him treating you? Treating you as? Um, I want.
3: To, I want them to see my brother treating me as someone whose uh desire should be respected. Is that good?
0: It? It's kind of tame. All right. I want mm, i I want them to see my brother standing in front of me almost a gap in his mouth open in awe. This is his biggest sister. This is the Uh, the matriarch of the family this is the person who is going to lead us and teach us and take care of us in a wonderful way well I see you smiling and nodding you kind of like that
3: (laughs) Uh, it would work it would be good that way
0: (laughs) there it would you see but I stretched it just a little bit and I'm in your I'll bet you in your vocabulary that wasn't much of a stretch at all yeah
3: you're right.
0: <laughs> there you go. And your fear is um, when I say all of that
3: again, that it won't happen.
0: That's exactly right. It's really simple. It's not. It's not complex. It's not sophisticated. Like it's like that's a fantasy. It's not going to happen. Yep, exactly. Good. So, as we unpacked it here, what was your experience with your beliefs?
6: Um,
3: I had initially with this work, I had a hard time getting in touch with my feelings. Yes. Because that's where I'm angry. Yes. Uh, where I have the resentment. And uh, there was one there was one morning, I was just thinking about it in meditation. I'm doing your step study on Monday, Tuesday nights. Okay. Oh, so
0: wonderful. that's where we are, right yeah,
3: yeah. And so, you know, one morning in meditation, it just came to me, you need to let your baby queen write this thing. She's the one who's angry. And um, so once I allowed myself that permission, then it was, I mean, it just kind of came. It all just kind
9: of flowed. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And, and what you've, you've uh, reminded me to suggest to other people is the word should. My brother should. And that reveals to you your belief. You get a chance then to look at it. My brother should see me. Well, that's a fantasy because that's not real. That's not who he is. Fair or unfair are irrelevant terms because this is who he is and reality is what it is 100% of the time. And so you're just making shit up.
3: You got that, and I can do a good job with
0: it, too. Well, all of us do. No, 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 no. That's not personal. That's all of us. That's every one of us. We create a story about life. We don't know that we're creating a story. I should. You should. They
9: should. Life should. And all we do is should on ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I am resentful at this person for humiliating me publicly, uh, accusing me of, uh, of behavior uh, that is inappropriate and, uh, and in doing so uh, compromised my uh, anonymity. Yeah, great, and who are you, I am? I am an alcoholic for 32 years of sobriety, I am intelligent, well-educated, articulate, and entitled to express a personal opinion. And what's your fear? Uh, my fear is that maybe I'm not all that in a bag of chips.
0: I understand. All right. Go to Pride. What
9: did you write there, please? I, uh, I am... Uh, I am uh, well-educated and I want, I want people to see me as an articulate person and I want them to see this person as perhaps uh, uh, recognizing uh, that, um, that I probably have more degrees than he does, more degrees than a thermometer. And I, and I, I don't appreciate, Uh, his his attitude expressed uh,
0: and how would you like the audience to see him and his attitude in relationship to you what would be the ideal picture that you would paint
9: well uh i would uh i would appreciate uh uh his demonstrating um how would he do that uh, the respect uh, that how he, he demonstrated
0: how would he demonstrate to the audience and to you his the the model attitude that you would want in your in your biggest moment of fantasy
9: he might say that he disagrees with me and that's and that's okay
0: or maybe he's on his knees publicly or maybe he's
9: on his maybe he's on his knees yes and begging for begging for mercy <laughs> forgiveness. <laughs> exactly what's your fear um uh, my 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 fear is perhaps uh i um uh, uh i think more of myself than 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 i am and i i may not be all those uh you know all of uh, i may not be as good as i think i am
0: well and there's no right or wrong answer all right and that's just a sort of a chip in the armor as i said about myself the the beginning yeah. of the crack and uh, yeah it's highly likely if i'm having this arrogant reaction i'm not as humble or as spiritual as i think i am
9: right <laughs>
10: <laughs> oops <laughs> I'm in a long distance relationship with my partner. He lives in Warsaw and I have resentment towards him. We need to decide uh, where we're going to live our lives. And he's unwilling to move to Tel Aviv and I have resentment for towards him
0: for there this. Oh, all right. And so who are you? I am,
10: um,
0: read from what you wrote, please. Don't yeah. try to make it up. Read for, oh, you're looking at the screen?
10: Yeah, I'm looking at the screen. Sorry, I, I have. The no,
0: screens. no, I got it.
10: Um, so I wrote, I'm important. I'm the most important person in the relationship, and I'm more important than anything else in his in my partner's life. His family right. is else.
0: Absolutely wonderful, good. And your fear
10: that I'm not important. Yeah. Uh, and fear that he doesn't love me enough.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Pride. There's no right or wrong answer. There's just your feeling. You see, it's not necessarily the truth, but it is your feeling about it. That's good. All right. And pride. What did you write?
10: Um, I wrote that others should see him treating me as the most important thing in his life um, and as the most important thing person in our relationship. And I have a fear and um, I don't know if it's related to pride, so it's it's a bit confusing to me how to associate the different fears to the different they might
0: be the same. they might be the same. It's okay. okay. Yep.
10: So I wrote here fear of being taken for granted.
0: Nice. Yep. Absolutely. There's, see, there's no right or wrong answer. Don't filter it. Just whatever pops in your consciousness, write it down. Okay. Yeah. That way you're not allowing the ego to filter out what you don't want to look at.
10: Okay.
0: Yeah. No. So what's your experience now in, in seeing your beliefs here?
10: Um, that I'm self-centered?
0: Or, or Maybe. Maybe you are, and maybe you're not. But d- do you have a realistic belief about your boyfriend and uh, the relationship?
10: um it's well,
0: a, it, it could be a rhetorical question.
10: Yeah.
0: That you are discerning about. Yeah. There's a there's a possibility that you're delusional. You're mm-hmm. not connected to reality. Um. So I wrote.
10: I saw throughout, I don't know, are we supposed to do all three, four, five now? or?
0: Well, we haven't yet, but we will. But as long as we're talking about it, what did you see?
10: Yeah. So so in ambition, what do I want to happen? I realized that I actually, I don't necessarily want him to move here. I mean, I don't mind moving there, but I want him to offer to move here. All right. and you're here. Um, I do want to have the option of staying here, so.
0: But your fear is.
10: Uh, Was well, obviously fear of uh, leaving this place. Sure. Fear, uh, yeah. Yeah. A
0: yeah. Part place. of the ambition that came to me also is you want a demonstration that you are a priority in his life.
11: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah because yeah. that's what you said actually that he would offer even if it's you know never going to happen that he would offer just yeah. to, to, to demonstrate to you your value to him yeah there you go nice <laughs> all right uh did you do something for security
10: um for security so it seems like three and four are more like factual they than are.
0: The- they are all right, they are. Go ahead.
10: Um. So I, for my security, I need to know that he would be willing to move to Tel Aviv if he has to. Why? And why? Because I need to have a safety net in case I'm not happy if I move to Warsaw.
0: Great. And your oh, and fear.
10: So I didn't list any fear here.
0: Well, come. On, what is spontaneously coming fear. up?
10: A fear of not being happy if I move and a fear of being trapped there and not having an option to come back.
2: There you go. There you go. Yeah. Quickly, I I had more of a question, if possible, on on my feeling is, (laughs) and I hate to, it sounds silly, but that I should have deeper resentments and I I don't seem to, uh, it's almost like I have to come up with, sure. resentments. and I'm just wondering if I'm buried them so far, I don't, I'm not aware of them anymore. Well,
0: Probably. It is a possibility. It's great that you're open to that possibility. If I heard you correctly, you said earlier that you're one year in a recovery program. Yes. Now, my experience is it took me four years to thaw out. I don't know what it'll be for you, but if you're in your first year and you're here, you've thought out a lot and you're only going to see what you can see. Don't you be concerned about it because next year or the year after or the year after, if there's more, you'll be very aware of it because you're on it. You're open. Okay.
2: Yeah. But you, you, if you can't see it, you can't deal with it. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like you mentioned about your father. Well, I had a, a very, you know, I had an alcoholic father who died of alcoholism uh, and I, 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 I kept drinking, but, it, it, you know, stuff doesn't come up like big resentments. And I think, well, maybe did I already forgive him? do I already deal with that? But anyway. Maybe. Yep, maybe, maybe we'll see, huh?
0: Yep, don't be, uh, don't. Well, it's wonderful to be concerned and I hope I've put it in a bigger picture of a context for you so that you can say, okay, if it's there, it will come up.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Good point. Another question. I mean, when we ask questions for ourselves, quite frankly, we're putting into words questions other people didn't know how to put into words or they didn't have them yet, and you're really helping them. So I every bit, everybody who participates is helping certainly themselves, but a whole bunch of people that you'll never know you help. Thank you so much. So I promised to take a look at the tool that's in the big book that starts on page 65 at the bottom. It says, we went back through our lives, nothing counted, but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. We considered the third column carefully. Well, you're not finished, but I'm moving on because there's a wonderful tool here that once I discovered it, I didn't want to delay in bringing it to people's attention sooner than later. It says the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong to concluded others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got the usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves i've covered that before it's okay to put yourself on the list if in fact you have a legitimate regret even or Anger or resentment about your past. Your past and the decisions that you made and the mistakes that you made and the opportunities that you lost. Oh my God. You know, every once in a while we fall into that. It's normal, it's human, but it's not healthy. The more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in where the victor only seemed to win, a delusion, it's in italics. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. So now he's transitioned from the list of the third column, which is our general resentments, to a specific deep resentment. At least that's my interpretation. I'm gonna not read the whole thing. I don't wanna spend that kind of time. You can do that on your own or listen to my unpacking of it from my YouTube presentations on the, um, in the YouTube channel. But here is a wonderful phrase. He tells us the import of looking at this. When harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink and with us to drink is to die. If we are to live, we had to be free. We turn back to the list, it holds the key to the future. We are prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We must look at the world and its people and we saw, see that they really dominate us in that state wrongdoing of others fancied or real had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. Listen to this sentence. We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. Pretty straightforward and simple sentence. We could gloss over it. We could read it and go, oh, yeah, sure. Uh But when we stop and look at it, it's a powerful insight. We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. We're as powerless over our deep resentments as we are over our addiction, having no power at all. So now he's going to introduce us to a prayer practice. He's acknowledging, oh, we can name it. We can analyze it. We can discuss it. We can understand it. We just can't get rid of it. This is our course. We realize that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. He's suggesting a different attitude toward these people. They're not jerks or other four-letter words. They're spiritually sick. Uh, An attitude of compassion. Page 67. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, are sick too. Oh, it's okay for me to see them as sick, but now you're saying I'm the same? I'm the same as them. I'm a sick human being. So he's added, he's added to the attitude adjustment. And then the most misunderstood sentence in, in the rooms one of many misunderstood by my evaluation, because I don't do judgment, you know, I'm beyond that. <laughs> Just keeping it light. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Let's take a look at that. We ask God, the man who took me through the steps, said, Any time the book says we ask God, it's a prayer. It's a suggestion for a prayer. We're talking to God. To help us. See, this isn't a prayer for them. And you hear it all the time in the rooms. It's a wonderful spiritual practice to pray for them. For whatever intention or words or or, or, or purpose. But that's not this suggestion. Listen to it. We ask God to help us. Again, we're asking for the spirit to enter into our Consciousness to enter into our hearts, to enter into our minds, to enter into our soul, to enter into our spirit. We're asking God to surgically remove this cancer of this resentment from me. We're praying for ourselves. We're not praying for them. This is huge. When a person offended, this is a sick man person how can I be helpful to him her God save me from being angry thy will be done then he has the next paragraph he has some nice words that I added to the prayer we avoid retaliation or argument we wouldn't treat sick people that way if we do we destroy our chance of being helpful It's not about us it's not about us feeling good it's not about us even feeling relief it's about us being helpful to other people because we're no longer encumbered with this negativity. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Well, this man said to me, make a list of your deep resentments hurt. This was my very first journey through the steps. I had 85 resentments. And I had eight deep ones. Father, mother, spouse four bosses and a coach from high school i'm 48 years old i still have this deep resentment toward a coach from high school and they all made the eight the, the the deep resentment list and i constructed a prayer and i began the practice praying one prayer every morning for each of the eight removals three months later One of them went away. I could tell there was no negative energy around it. I crossed it off. And then I kept praying for the removal of the seven. And another one went away. And over the next several weeks, they all went away. Now, here's the good news. The next time I did my inventory, three years later, not one of those eight resentments, was on my list that's freedom this is not artificial this is not make-believe this is real stuff now of course i continue to do the fourth column and the fifth step and six and seven and finish all my amends during this time i'm doing the prayer so it's not an isolated action It's an action that integrates with the entire step dynamic process. So the deep resentment, make a list of them from your general list of resentments. If you're going through or just in prayer, ask the spirit to identify for you your deep resentments. And it's a relative term. It's for you to decide. You know, some of them are one ounce mosquitoes. They're annoyances or irritations. Those aren't deep resentments. But some of them, as I mentioned before, are 2,500 pound shark or 5,000 pound white shark. They're huge. And you might have done some therapy around them. You might have done some human self-help around them you might have done some 12-step work around them but if you still have the negative feeling that deep irritation that deep negativity that deep energy that deep rage in some cases you might want to do the third and the fourth column on that as well as begin this prayer practice begin the prayer practice today why not how free do you want to be and how soon because that's what this is about The prayer that is in my way of life document is this one. God, Bob, like me, is a spiritually sick person. Help me to show Bob tolerance, compassion, and patience. Those are words from the big book. Release me from being angry. See, I'm praying for me. Cut out this cancer. Enable me to release this resentment. I don't have the power to do it, but I have the responsibility. I'm willing, but I'm not effective. So remove this resentment. Show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of Bob. Bring me to accept reality as it is. I've changed the prayer since I did it back in 1989, 1990. Show me how to be helpful. To Bob, thy will be done. Ultimately, the perfect prayer, thy will be done. With my free will, I choose to be in alignment with my understanding of God's will. That's what that phrase means. Thy will be done. With my free will, I want to be in alignment. I may not be able to be in alignment, but I want to be in alignment. So let's go back to the uh, third column and take a look at that again. This is uh, the one from the way of life document. The one that I believe you've been sent eliminates the heading. So you've got a lot more room on it. But if you don't have any worksheet in front of you, this illustrates how it is set up. Oops. Self-esteem. Again, it's my belief about who I am. Pride. I'm trying to understand my beliefs. So I'm going to look through the prism of other people's eyes that I would want them to see In my fantasy, my relationship with this person with whom I have a resentment. And I have the resentment because they're not doing it the way I want them to do it. I have a story. I I want them to behave like my story. And when they're not behaving like my story about my story or about my life or about myself, how it should be. I get angry. Now maybe we can look at the balance of the questions. Now we've, we've had some exposure. Some people had done the next couple items. What do I want? I want to run the office. My fear is I won't. Security, I need to run the office because I don't want accountability. I will have accountability, personal relations. How do I want people to react in an office when I walk into a meeting? I want them to stand and grab their chests and exclaim, he's here. And the men to bow and the women to curtsy. Uh, I'm stepping outside the box to stretch it. And then when I did that, I go, yeah, no, I would really like that. And I really got a really huge insight into my narcissism i not only am the center of my world i am the center of the world i've talked about my delusional understanding of relationships with men and the model man and relationships with any women model or not and they were completely corrupt and sure i can explain it from my Philosophy and from my psychology. I had a tremendous amount of exposure to both and to therapy, but it didn't, that understanding didn't work its way into my feelings nor my beliefs. I had absorbed the worst part of the culture of the day, aggravated by my alcoholism, aggravated by my narcissism. I was what they call today a hot mess as a man in relationships with men as well as women. And my pocketbook, my life was all about me. Whether it be money or not, I wanted to be on the center stage with all of the lights on me and getting all of the attention and the power and the prestige and the money that went with it. Now, I didn't know that until I did this work and really confirming it in a fifth step. That was the real key. Once I did a fifth step, reading in one sitting consecutively, all of that stuff that I had wrote, written over weeks and months, sitting in a condensed environment, reading it all at once out loud continuously About two or three hours into it, it washed over me, and it was like crushing, which is the whole point. It's a good thing. Bill Wilson said, the purpose of the first nine steps is the deflation of the ego at death. It's a quote. The deflation of the ego at death. And you could see on page 14 a hint of that in his own story, one of my most favorite paragraphs in the big book because it's a summary of the turning from our self-centeredness to our I'll say other centeredness but to our adulthood this rite of passage of steps one through nine to from childhood to adulthood on page 14 he says simple but not easy a price had to be paid it meant the destruction of self-centeredness listen to the words These are not gentle, the destruction of self-centeredness. You see, we're entering in now to the conscious and unconscious in the fourth step, and we're dismantling the false self. We're taking a wrecking ball to take down the cinder blocks that we've built as a survival wall. There's an explanation for this false self, this mask, this persona that we have this false belief about who I am. There's there's a reason for it, but we've outlived the reason now. And now the wall we built as a security wall has become a prison. And we need to have the spirits help to deconstruct that prison wall, to take it down, to remove the mask, to dissolve the false self to ring a wrecking ball to the Hollywood storefront so that the true self can appear and live free. Let me start again with this phrase, simple but not easy. A price has to be paid. It means the destruction of self-centeredness, here it is. I must turn in all things to the father of Light, who presides over us all. See, that's the beginning of the third step, the commitment to turn. And a commitment to do the actions of four through nine. It's a commitment to look at the darkness. So that it will diminish and disappear. So that the light can appear and grow in us. The whole point of removing these obstacles in us. They're like clouds uh, that block us from the sunlight of the spirit. We embraced the sunlight in step two. We said there is sunlight. And it's deep down inside of us. Take a look at page 55 step two and then in step three page 63 we're making a commitment to a relationship with the sunlight and then we have to ask well what's blocking it steps four through nine answer and resolve by dissipating those clouds so that the light can shine in us and to us and eventually through us to others that's the whole point okay so now I'm looking for some more work on your part in terms of the self-esteem and pride, certainly, but going down through the balance of the um, items, if you have taken it that far or want to take it that far.
11: So this one is, uh, there's a, a guy that is real popular in our, uh, so in our at our club, at our Orlando club. And, um, We've done a lot of, we've done golf. This is a story I know. So you wanted me to get straight What's to your resentment? Yeah. Um, my resentment is um, he seems unfriendly, even though we have spent a lot of time together. And he seems right. unwilling to be my friend. All right. All right. And who are you? I am? I am a great guy who would make a great friend. Pretty uh, tame, but you got to the point. What's right. your fear? My fear is that I'm not good enough that I'm unworthy and I'm not man enough to have a friend like this person.
0: That's got a lot more grit to it. That's n- nice work there. You, you expanded it a little bit. You went deeper. Um, in Pride, what did you
11: write? Uh, I put, others should see us having a great time together in front of them so they can see that I have this great friend.
0: Okay, so it's still about him and the friendship external to you. How would you like to them to see him treating you that reflects who you
11: are. Well, I guess I didn't really state that, but what I meant by that, what I just said was that if they see him enjoying himself so much with me, that it will validate that I am a great person and deserving and as popular as he is
0: worthy of being a peer, uh, and they should all want to have a relationship with you. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Good. And what's your fear? Uh,
11: That I'm unimportant, Then that I'm not man enough to have such a stand-up guy as a friend.
0: And did you go any further with ambition, etc.?
11: Um. Yeah. Uh. Huh. Yeah. Under security, I thought I did something good, uh, but I'll say under ambition. Um, I want David to befriend me and call me often to play golf. And my fear is I am flawed and undeserving to have a friend that is so popular in our program.
0: And your security.
11: Uh, I need validation from David that he likes me and thinks I'm a great guy to invite me to all his golfing days. And and I must also be accepted by all of his friends as much as David accepts me.
0: And, and why did you write? Why? Uh,
11: no, I didn't. Oh, well. well, it just, it, it makes me, then it, it supports it validates within me that I am that, actually that kind of a person. And, right. and, um, that's
0: it, that's it, your fear
11: uh, that I'll be mistreated and rejected.
0: yeah, by his friends and him. So uh personal relations, um what's your belief about men and men's relationships and men's groups?
11: Well, what I put uh, under personal relations, I, I kind of did the the man the man thing under sex relations, but um, okay the personal relations that put we should be as close as brother doing things together often.
0: All right. That's, so
11: it, it's about friends then. Okay, good. And your uh, fear? Uh, a real man would have been pursued by David to be a close friend and I shouldn't have to work so hard. Yeah.
0: And the implications are you're not a real man. Right. Yeah. All right. What you put in gender?
11: Um... I guess I ended there. Okay.
0: Well, just can you do a spontaneous? What is your belief about men? Men uh, as a model group, the ideal male. Uh,
11: the 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 ideal male would be one that is like the alpha male, I guess. That would be ex- accepted by everybody. Would be a leader. Yeah. Uh, should be uh, liked and also be able to guide others. Um, just sort of run the whole show, I guess, basically.
9: There you go. And your fear is?
11: That I can't do that. Anymore. There you go. Yeah. Not that kind of person.
0: Any any sense of uh, pocketbook or value around this? Uh,
11: I've wasted a lot of time in my life spreading over these things.
0: <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> so I'm Perfect. sure Perfect.
11: it's costing me some money and time.
0: Yeah. And what's your fear?
11: That I'll continue to have to
0: do that. and That it, it won't change. Yeah. 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 So as you've articulated it and as you've written it out, did you capture any particular experience of your beliefs?
11: Um, You mean uh, as, well, I can see that, I mean, so so something that I might gear towards column four, you mean? Uh, No, uh,
0: just with column three, what did you see about your beliefs that was
11: particularly Uh, reveal that i've I've constructed this ideal male um and and that i need to relate and and be accepted by this ideal that i've created for myself by others that have that ideal, or i assume they have that ideal.
9: all right
0: and you don't need to answer this but i would i'm inviting you to ask it and that is so what did you see as your belief about yourself
11: uh, that um, the belief about myself is that. Read your fears. Yeah. Well, yeah, that I'm, that I'm not that kind of a person, that I'm unworthy, that I'm undeserving of it. And, and that, but more, more, more than that, I kind of see that it's a, it's a story. You know, I mean, it's, I don't even know if David or this person, I should say his name, is really like that. You know, uh, well, but but even if he
0: is, you got a snapshot a little bit of your own evaluation of your own self-esteem.
11: Uh-huh.
0: You don't measure up in your own eyes to your ideal for yourself.
11: Right. Um. Did you see that? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah, I said I definitely saw that. Um, yeah. And uh, I think what I have to do is change what what I, my ideal is about myself. I um, uh, I, I, what I, I mean, I'd like to know why I formed this ideal about myself, you know? Um, That might be interesting um,
0: from a curiosity standpoint, but it might be better for you to determine, so what's going to be a healthy attitude about me that's going to allow me to be me and to enjoy my life in relationship to other people?
11: just be myself and accept who I am. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't and that? Be- but then what goes on in the back of my head is that it means I have to resent uh, this other person because they have made me <laughs> feel this way,
0: you know? Well, wait, 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 did they make you feel this way?
11: No, they didn't. Who did that? I drummed it all up myself.
0: There you go. That is that's the fourth column. That's the fourth column realization. I drummed it up all by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and see, the good news there is, oh, so I can change it. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is reframe it.
11: Is that rewrite something? We
0: do? the story.
11: Mm-hmm. That's something we do in column four. Reframe. Yeah.
0: Rewrite the story. Absolutely. Yep.
11: Can I can I ask something else real quick? Of course, of course. Um so I'm I'm gonna be doing uh going helping a sponsee with the third call tomorrow. Yep. Yep. And I know he's he's he has trouble with one of his sons. They won't talk to him. One of his sons will, one won't. Yep. Yeah. And he gets deeply depressed when he yeah. tries to reach out to this one son that won't speak with him. Well then stop reaching out. Okay, right. But <coughs> What I was wondering, do you think it might be? Because I know he's not going to want to put him on his resentment list. There's a bunch of emotions in him that I thought maybe would be a good idea for him to put it on his resentment list to try to. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay. Yes. So even though it's not angry, anger, it's more like remorse that he's feeling. He should still put it on his third. Use that
0: word. Uh, Based on some reactions from the workshop people. Uh, I've gotten much broader in my application of the third and fourth column. So if it's, um, you said, uh, remorse, if it's regret, if it's grief, if it's sadness, use those words rather than resentment and see what happens. 100%. I think because he has a unsatisfactory relationship here, get a word for it and then do the column to see what his beliefs are and what is, you know, what, what, what's real and what's not real. Absolutely, you can help him.
11: Yeah, uh, he's probably going to want to frame it more like a resentment towards himself, but I'd like to focus it as a resentment on his side. Uh,
0: well, let him do what he wants to do first and then make the suggestion to try it a different way.
11: Right.
0: Yeah, don't get in the way of what he wants to do allow that to happen and then explore some alternative things that are perhaps your insights that might help him. Great, all right,
11: thank you.
0: you. Wonderful.
6: I just had a quick question um, on how you deal with uh, a resentment where you don't know who,
12: what, why or when, like you remembered something So basically, I remembered something in my first year of sobriety. And because I don't have the details,
6: I've not been able to work on it to properly let it go. And so I ruminate.
0: You have a feeling, a general feeling of anger. Yeah. My uh, first recommendation is to pray the set-aside prayer when you sit down to do the writing, number one. Number two is avoid reading and, and forms and do a kind of a journal exploration, but in the sense of spontaneous writing, meaning free form. Don't be concerned about the lines on the page. Don't be concerned about sentence structure. Don't be concerned about punctuation or spelling. Allow your heart and gut to flow through your hand and not be filtered by your head. Okay. And just just and do it more than once. Set yourself a time of um, ten minutes or twenty minutes or thirty minutes. Not too short, not too long. Well, I'm not saying sit for a half a day or two hours. No, I mean you're welcome to do that. But just in in short little kind of meditations. Yeah. With the set aside prayer and just allow that flow for a period of time of writing and do it more than once. And then at some point. Read it yourself.
6: Read uh, it I did. You. Um, I read did, it to uh, yourself, wrote...
0: but then okay. read it and then read it out loud to yourself.
6: Right. Okay.
0: It and and you heard it earlier. When you read it out loud, something happens. There's a connection with the puzzle pieces that might happen, and or then you could read it out loud to another person. But I prefer you doing it alone until you can't go any further with it. Then you read it to somebody else and see what happens. Okay. Yeah? And yeah. the, the point of it, unless we lose track of it, the point of it is not therapy. The point of it is not journaling. The point of it is to come up with the details sufficient that you could then do the analysis in the column three, column four. Okay. Yeah. What's the source of this Anger response.
6: What's the source?
0: That's the that's the key question.
6: Right.
0: Like 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 a river comes from a source. Uh, yeah. Oil well comes from the reservoir down beneath. What's the source then of your reaction, your survival reaction of anger to this threat? Hurt threatened or interfered with, could be the two, the three verbs that you use. Where have I been hurt, threatened or interfered with that has created this reaction in me?
6: Yeah. all right? Okay, thank you.
0: All right, report in again, okay?
6: All right, thanks, Herb. Thanks.
12: It's Joanne who has known me um, since the start of my professional career 45 years ago. And she, uh, Always, what I resent about her is that she always backhandedly puts me down for not being financially self sufficient or financially uh, self sufficient and able to retire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, who are you?
9: I am.
12: Uh, I am. Well, I should have been more financially prudent.
0: no no, that's not where we're going use the work that's there not your words my words i am you're on a stage with joanne and she's putting you down for not to living up to her expectations and you're pissed so who are you in that on that stage with her
12: I am someone who has value regardless of my bank balance.
0: All right, that's good. That's a well-articulated self-esteem. Yes, exactly. And what's your fear when you say that?
12: I don't have value. All right. Irrespective All right. of my bank balanced or i don't have
0: it can go it can go several directions yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no right or wrong direction but Correct. i could see at least three or four different directions that that could go in terms of your fear so there's no right or wrong there's just the one that comes to you i don't have value uh, i don't have enough money and or i'll never have enough money i mean there's so many things that you could say there
12: Yeah, I, you know, I won't be able to uh, stop, I I don't know, I won't be able to stop working at the job that I've been working at.
11: Yeah, yeah.
0: Or it could even be, it could even be, I'll never be approved of by Joanne.
12: Right. I will never be approved of by Joanne. That's true.
0: Yeah. I mean, so there's uh, there's several potential fears. All I'm doing is pointing that out for you and everybody else, because there's no right or wrong one. There's just the one that comes up right now as the one that comes to you. you and, and we're going to do a fear inventory. All right. Uh, well, if in fact you're doing the entire four step we're not today or next month going to do it because we're going to focus on resentment. But if you're doing a step for inventory out of the book, you'll do resentment. Then you'll do fear. Then you'll do dishonesty and sex. Right. Yeah. Did you write something for pride?
12: Right. Yeah. I am. Um... Others should see me, um, see that i have value that i have helped a lot of people in the work that i have done although i have not uh it you know have a nest egg for retirement i guess
0: well you don't have to say that last part but you're saying uh you want people in the audience to see joanne respecting the balance of your life yes right right Because I'm a helpful person in the community. Yes. And what's your fear when you say that?
12: Uh, others never will see me like that.
0: It's that simple. That's correct. Yes. And again, there could be so many different answers to the question, but that's the answer that you have right now. Right. Yeah. Did you write any more on the third column?
12: Uh not that I can read, but I, you know, I, you know, I, I wrote something for everything, so.
0: You want to read it?
12: Yeah. Well, oh, well. Okay, am I at ambition? Is that where I'm at right now?
0: Yep.
12: Okay. Um. What do I want to have? Uh, what do I want to happen? Um,
0: Just read what you wrote.
12: Okay, Joanne, to have value, you know, have value about the other good things that I do and... Tell others, uh, which is similar to what was we just went over. It's
0: okay to be redundant because it's a the recurring theme for you. That's right. What's your fear when you when you r- write and read that?
12: That um, I am not. Um, well, I'm not a value outside. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Outside. it's that simple exactly it's not sophisticated what's your uh, security
12: okay well i need to trust that god is my employer and what you yeah, have a lack of trust that god is my employer so that's what i need or that's what i wrote down but sure. why um what she thinks about me should not matter um yeah.
0: So there's another false belief right
12: yeah
0: well because it does matter
12: yeah
0: yeah so and the I, so the the real question here is so why is it so important what other people think you'll you'll address that instead in column four okay
12: well yeah. There's this aspect of I well in uh, what is my fear I ni- I need to hide this asked up aspect of myself from others who I perceive to be more fan- financially and have their houses paid off you know right et cetera
0: okay. right exactly exactly what about personal relations.
12: Well, I should be valued irrespective of my bank balance.
0: All right, that's a belief. Every time you say "should," that re- that reveals a belief. What's your fear?
12: That um, um, I won't, I, you know, I won't be valued.
0: All right. Yep. Uh, and the, uh, number six, the uh, gender relations about men and women
12: yeah men should be financially self-supporting and generous and fear um i am not worthy of being cared for
0: got it by
12: men despite my yeah bank balance
0: that that uh, that's a Deep insight, which you could probably use in many, many other answers to some right. questions. Um, how about women? Women, women should be
12: both financially self-supporting and receptive to being cared for by men.
0: Okay. And your fear?
12: I am not worthy of being <laughs> um, cared for by men if I am not financially yeah self-supporting
0: yeah yeah number seven pocketbook
12: well well i, I don't know i, I just wrote that uh, you know making money and and running a profitable business is a, a skill set that i've never mastered
0: right. uh, but but what's your belief about money or it, its value it uh, to you
12: i am judging myself of being of lesser value because of my bank balances my uh having the way i've handled money over the last 45 years of my professional career
0: right um well
12: it, it it goes to like um like my mother always used to say, find somebody to be so, take care of you, but you better have a backup plan. Look at me. I'm the one who kept the financial ship afloat here. Um, get an education. You know, I'm not sending you to school to get an MRS degree. I'm sending you to school to get a job. But- um,
0: So what's your fear?
12: My, my fear is that I am not worthy of being loved. Um,
0: yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Permeates everything, doesn't it? Yeah, Yep. Yeah. yeah. What's your experience with writing it and now talking it through?
12: Talking about it, it, it is huge because I hear myself um, and I, I allow myself to be visible.
0: Yeah, that's to yourself even.
12: I move out of hiding.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the power of, uh, of uh, having a sponsor, doing a fifth step, having therapy, having a good friend for full disclosure, transparency. Absolutely wonderful. That's good. A great insight. Yeah, thank you so much.
8: Um, when I resent Felicia, who is um, a friend who I had fallen out with, um and i resent her for you know betraying my trust you know not standing up for me um not not caring about me or being a genuine friend i guess
0: all right so who are you i am
8: um... um i am a good person honest kind considerate a good friend I am a person worthy of an unconditional love. I am important.
0: Good for you. Nice,
8: a nice technicolor description. And what's your fear? I am selfish and self-centered. I'm not as great as I think. I'm not as great as other people think. Right. I'm not that important.
9: All
0: right. That's got a lot of insight in it. Excellent. And uh, pride?
8: Um, others should see Felicia treating me with respect, with fear, um, with love, with understanding, and with high regard.
0: All right. And what's your fear?
8: I, I've just written words here. I wrote not a non-factor, little regard, contempt. All right.
0: All right. Um, did you do the balance of the sheet? Ambition.
8: Yes um I want Felicia to care about mending our relationship um this I also wrote I want to own people um
0: oh, good insight all right and what's your fear
8: um she doesn't care um she never did um she just wants to ruin my name laugh at me steal my... Still, my best friend. She wants to win.
0: Got it. And um, security. What do you need and why?
8: I need validation, respect, reverence, and I have question marks all over that. <laughs> um, and then I also wrote, "I like I, I am okay. God is the only friend I need."
0: yeah nice nice trying for salvation (laughs) what's your fear
8: i didn't write anything down for that tell me
0: tell me when you read it again and then just spontaneously tell me what fear pops in your heart
8: okay i need validation respect reverence i am okay god is the only friend i need um the that I mean, no, I, that I'm not as strong as I think I am, you know, and, and that I do need people and I do need friends, you know. Great. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, personal
8: relations? Um, I expect my friends to care about me and my feelings and do everything in their power to address our issues.
0: Yeah, and your fear?
8: That I'm a liability and that, I don't know, so like, maybe people don't wanna deal with my shit. Excuse my French, I'm sorry, this is spirituals.
0: No right or wrong answer. There's just your feelings about it. Yep, exactly. Yep, about gender.
8: Um, I put a man, chivalrous, protector. That's all I got for that. And then for a woman, strong, versatile, organized. Then I also put meek and not loud. I'm not sure why I put that. but
0: That's part of your belief system. That's why. Be, be, be confident. You put it down for a reason. It's, it's good. To, at least you can look at it and then challenge it. Right, or accept it. What's your fear in both cases?
8: That the male gender, I guess, is, they're not always chivalrous and protectors and they can Yeah,
0: yeah. it doesn't exist, right?
8: It's not fair.
0: Yeah. What about women?
8: I guess a fear is that I, I just don't really fit in the box or anything. All
0: right. There's no right or wrong answer. You Don't look to me for the answer. It, it's whatever comes up in you as a fear, a feeling, not just a thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a feeling there. Yeah. Excellent. Pocketbook? Um,
8: nothing should interfere with my emotional sobriety and well-being.
0: And your fear is?
8: that i'm a hot mess and <laughs> you read my yes yes right no no allow things to here yeah. with my emotional security and well-being right right right
0: right so as you wrote it out and again as you've now talked it out what's your experience with a belief the lenses through which you're looking at reality it's it's very warped all right see that and if you have that insight, that's a great launching pad now to kind of like try to find out. So what is the truth? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a condemnation to live in a world of delusion. It's an identification of the world of illusion and going, okay, so what's the truth here? And that's what the fourth column is all about. Mm-hmm. So come back next month and we'll take a look at that. <laughs> All right.
6: So I was doing um, this on a, you know, resentment that I have. And I realized out of, you know, all the way, midway through it, that I actually have a bigger resentment that's been kind of um, preventing me from fully um, working the steps in the last several years. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, I've been working in steps since I've been 24, 25. And about when I... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm going to get emotional.
0: That's fine. It's, it's a good place to be emotional.
6: So I have a resentment at God for taking my husband away.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. How long has he been dead?
6: It's going to go on 11 years.
0: Very
6: good. Yeah. I just haven't been able to have a relationship back with God. You know, I really tried. And I knew I kind of had this. Yep. But seeing this, you know, working through this, it kind of, you know, it's just come up again.
0: Good. Excellent. Because it's there. And unless you deal with it, it just like a metastasizes and creates all kinds of mischief.
6: It taints everything else.
0: Yeah, it taints it. Wonderful word. That's exactly right. It colors it all. Did you do your worksheet on God?
6: Yeah, I think so. At least as much as I could.
0: Let's, let's hear what you wrote, if you don't mind sharing it with us.
6: No, I don't mind. So what is the deep belief that I have about who I am in this in regards yeah. to this right is I'm a good person that works really hard to be a good person
3: yeah.
6: <laughs> and that um, I've worked really hard on myself so nothing should bad should happen type that, of thing
0: that's a very deep belief in you but in a lot of people that's right and so what's your fear
6: um, my fear is that um that working on myself is never going to be enough and that bad things happen, I guess. I mean, right? Uh, when
0: When you say, I guess, let's try it again. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah. That's the truth, isn't it?
6: Yeah, it is the truth.
0: Yeah, that's right. There's a book by that name, by the way.
6: I know somebody gave it to me in the program. Did,
0: did you read it?
6: No, not all of it.
0: All right.
6: All right. I was in. Well, first a,
0: of all, I did read the book, and it do, doesn't really, from my standpoint, answer the question, but it does yeah. explore it. It's a it's a really good question. That's right. And yeah. so what did you write for pride?
6: Um so what I would want God to treat me like. Yeah.
0: No, no, that's, let's get it set up properly. Your family's in the audience and you and God are on a stage. Yes. How do you want your family to see God treating you?
6: Lavishing me with good goodness and good things in my life.
0: Exactly. Right. And your fear is?
6: (sighs) I mean, this is my fear that God doesn't really want what's best for me
0: there you go it's it's not right or wrong it's just this like this this is your feeling about it exactly yes did you write anything for ambition
6: um well i put what i want is it came out sort of oh maybe i went down to security
0: go ahead read what you wrote
6: I put, I need a sign from God to know I didn't work hard for nothing.
0: Alright. Because and
6: then I'll know or something.
0: Exactly. And your fear?
6: Um, resigned it. Nothing Nothing will be enough and that that won't happen.
0: Okay. Alright.
6: Something at that level. Did
0: you write any more uh, on the worksheet?
6: Um, I want to be able to, and I don't know where this is, so... Um, Go
0: ahead, read
6: it. to be able to move forward um, with a new relationship with God. But I'm afraid that doesn't exist. I mean, that's my fear.
0: Yeah, that's your ambition. So that's good. Yeah. Did you write anything in uh, personal relationship or gender?
6: Um, I expect... I expect he wants what's best for me. Um,
0: What's your, um, what's your um, personal relations in that would be, uh, what's your belief about the spirit world and God in general?
6: um, Well, I guess, you know, that he wants what's best for me and that,
0: so I that's where I'm a little No, you're you're I mean there's nothing wrong with that phrase. That's your should. That's your expectation. That's your belief. Yes. Then you get a chance to hold it up and go, is this realistic? Is this the truth or is this fanciful? Right. That's all. It's not right or wrong. You can hold it. That's one.
6: I always thought.
0: There will be consequences of holding it. Yeah. All right? Because reality doesn't respond to what you want or feel. Yeah. Reality doesn't respond to what you think or or need.
6: Yeah.
0: Reality is just reality.
6: Yeah.
0: People are born and people die.
6: Yeah. It's all part of the cycle.
0: You know, I... Babies die.
6: Right. Part of life is death. I mean, nobody
0: gets a- out of life alive. That's right. Yeah. And um, we're just a, a bundle of chemicals and uh, moving parts, and every once in a while, genetically, some of the parts fail us earlier than quote normal.
6: Right. Yeah. I, I do really see how I, you know, had that belief that nothing bad would happen if you were just. Yeah this program and you know what i mean because i had all i do, I do. Evidence that all this good happened after i worked
0: yeah and so what's your um, experience now writing it out and now talking it out in terms of holding up your beliefs about reality
6: that that it you know it is just a belief Um, i'm still having a problem getting past it
0: yes 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 fourth column will help you with that yeah it will help you with that there was a phrase i heard about 10 years ago i i'm going to take a chance on talking about it here it might be quite confrontational i don't mean it that way but the phrase itself was quite challenging god protects us from nothing and supports us in everything. It takes a while to embrace it, to understand what it means and the implications.
6: No, I I think I get it. I think I do. I mean, he can't protect us from everything because life on life's terms, right? That's it. And he can just help us go through it, right? It's how you go through it.
0: That's it right there yeah reality is reality and it's evolving and unfolding in front of us and we need to navigate it
6: yeah 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 and he's there to help us navigate it right
0: yes yeah anything
9: else
6: i liked how you talked about a prayer and um you know i thought my prayer might be uh, god please find me or help me find you type of prayer that might
0: help yes and also release me from the pain of my grief
6: yeah okay yeah Yeah.
0: be very specific with that
6: okay
0: yeah that's that's the cancer that has metastasized that blocks you from having a quality of life yeah
6: that's right yeah perfect thank you so much
0: Thank you for being so vulnerable and courageous to share it with us.
6: Thank you.
0: You bet.
7: So uh, my resentment is uh, my mother uh, still living for uh, physical, emotional, and mental abuse from childhood and current uh, mental and emotional abuse.
0: All right, and who are you?
7: I am weak, damaged, and broken.
0: No. All right. It's not ever going to be negative. If you were so low, then if she treats you low, you wouldn't mind it. But she's treating you in a way that you don't believe you should be treated. So go to go to Pride and what did you write there? How do you want the audience to see you being treated by your mother?
7: A good person that is good enough and deserves respect and for her to want me to truly be happy and healthy.
0: Boom. So what we did here, for your sake, uh, I hope it helps, but this is really a teaching technique for everybody where you get stuck in or you want to validate and confirm, clarify your accuracy with regard to self-esteem, go to the pride and do to it what I'm about to suggest to you. The the answer that you wrote for pride. Reframe it using the term I am and read it without any other change. I am. Read all of those words.
7: I am a good person. There you go. That is good enough and deserves respect and deserves to be happy and healthy.
0: That's your self esteem that's being violated by your mother's actual behavior. Did you see see how that worked? That was perfect. That was a model of how to crack the code here. Now, in both cases, what's your fear?
7: My fear is that my um, fear of further emotional abuse and never being able to heal emotionally or physically because yeah. I yeah. have physical symptoms yeah. from all this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. There's no right or wrong answer, but those are really good and clear and appropriate answers. That's right. All right. Um, What about ambition, what do you want?
7: I want, and I wrote this wrong, but I said, I want her to not make me feel bad about myself or guilty anymore.
0: How would you like to reframe that into positive? What do you really want from her in the fantasy world with fairy dust sprinkled on your mother?
7: I think it's actually what I wrote for security. Um, I need peace from fear, shame, guilt, stress, and abuse.
11: All right, still
0: negative, though. You are really wired into negativity. I am. (laughs) So stand back for just a minute. Sprinkle fairy dust on your mother. She's going to be completely changed into the ideal mother. And how do you want the audience to see her treating you?
7: Caring, nurturing, loving,
0: supportive. Yeah, that you're the precious daughter that she's longed for forever. And she cherishes you. Not a great word. Yeah, yeah. What's your fear?
7: Uh, my fear is that I will always feel bad about myself.
0: Again, you're so negative in that. See, I went to my mother will never change. Yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer because your answers are revealing. That you have this cloud of negativity that has completely enwrapped you. And that's the only lens through which you see reality about yourself, let alone outside yourself. 100%.
7: You're 100% is that
0: really right. That huh? is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we go to personal relations?
7: So I expect unconditional love and support from her and the rest of my loved ones
0: well that's excellent you changed the whole tone of it there what's the fear
7: that i won't get this from anyone because i am unlovable
0: well then you can challenge is unconditional love even realistic
7: probably not
0: well no i don't think it is because in fact human beings are conditional by nature we're material beings the only reality that can be unconditional is God or whatever that is that doesn't have any conditions. Yeah, but it's a wonderful image and ideal. I, I want to be a man of unconditional love. And so that's the model, that's the ideal, that's the vision I have in front of me as long as I keep realistically that it'll never happen because it's not possible. But it'll keep me improving on a daily basis. You hear the difference?
7: I think I wrote that because I always love her and give her what she needs, no matter what she does to me.
0: Okay. All right. You you, you rise above uh, all of the nastiness. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds to me like you're paying kind of a price for it. I'd say that. Yeah. Yeah. How about gender relations, men and women?
7: Uh, for men, I put protective and caring Uh, Loving to their partners, spouses, daughters, uh, and respectful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And your fear?
7: Uh, No man will ever love me this way.
0: Yeah, all right. Women?
7: Uh, Caring, kind, supportive, encouraging, strong, and self-sufficient.
0: Fear? Uh, My
7: mom will never be this way, and I might end up like her because of it.
0: There's a couple fears in there. All right, excellent. All right, Uh, pocketbook.
7: Nothing should interfere with effect or lessen my well-being, health, and emotional security.
0: Yeah, and your fear?
7: I will never see my true value or be my own emotional security.
0: Okay, wonderful, very clear. Um, So as you wrote it out now, and as you've read it out, and we've dialogued about it, what what are you holding up as an experience of beliefs?
7: Um, you're just you're just validating what I what I've been seeing uh, in myself since recent events caused us all to come to a head again. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I, there's a lot more work I need to do. So I'm I'm way at the beginning of recovery. So
0: no, it's wonderful, but you're doing some very substantial work. What's what is your hope for outcome from the work?
7: I would really love to see my self-esteem be realistic, not overlanding it over positive, just where it's supposed to be.
0: But more on the positive side. It's okay to be positive as long as it's realistic.
7: I would like to figure out a better way to deal with my mother.
0: All right. Yeah. Not, be,
7: not be further damaged.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah very realistic goal yeah 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 and the the term reframe embrace it and see what it means to you reframe your perceptions reframe your beliefs reframe your vision statements yeah yeah see what thank you very much wonderful no great work but you're, you're you're at the beginning but do you know how many people are clueless in the world
7: yes 95
0: percent <laughs> so you're 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 really you, you know you know you've got a really wonderful high probability of having it manifest in the way that you're in the direction that you want
7: that's great to hear thank
0: you yeah 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 thank you all right wow you guys are Phenomenal, what a great group. You just stayed with the worksheets and you stayed on it and you and you heard it to avoid the stories. I'm so pleased I didn't have to mention that many times. <laughs> that was great. Stories are fine, but in a meeting or some other place, but here we're just looking at the, we're, we're trying to distill it out for the facts. Yeah. All right, team. I'm going to assume that we're, we're all good for right now. And I'm going to put up the, if I can still have it. Yeah, there it is. The prayer of St. Francis, because it's the prayer of transformation. A prayer for freedom. We remember that pathetic person in the prison. But look at this one. There's no ceiling, there's no walls, there's no floor, there's just the fantasy that we created, and we've placed ourselves in prison. This is a prayer for transformation. That turning from our self-centeredness to other-centeredness. It's a combination of God's grace and our willingness to take action. Listen to these promises. Listen to the turning and listen to the, pro- the process. Lord, make me a channel of your peace. That where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is d- doubt, I may bring faith that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, for it is by self forgetting that one finds, it is by forgiving, that one is forgiven, it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. And if you've been with me before, you've heard me say the quote from Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now, the secret to life. All right, listen up. This is pretty important stuff. The secret to life is to die before you die and realize there is no death. This process, column three, is the beginning of the death of the false self, the dismantling of the persona that gets in our way of being our true self. Column four is the other part of the tool and the story. So I look forward to seeing you guys in August when we can do that work. Thanks very much for showing up today and it's been a very wonderful conversation.